Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here with Season 1, Episode 10, Wicca Envy. Is Was this like the mid-season finale or something? I mean, yeah, I'm going to say yes without even looking it up because no. Yes? I don't know. I'm looking at the airing dates and it looked like this episode aired on January 13th. 1999 mm-hmm. and the next episode aired january 20th 1999 so there wasn't a break in episodes like you would expect with a mid-season finale but yeah this is absolutely a mid-season finale yeah because we're getting rid of rex and hannah this episode who are basically the closest things we've had to a big bad up to this point yeah it's strange i wonder if there wasn't an issue with airing because the episode right before this one the witch is back episode nine aired December 16th, so that's when they took their break, after The Witch is Back. This was the first episode when they came back from their break. Mm. But I feel like this should have been the last one. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're saying goodbye to Rex and Hannah. How do you feel about that? Uh, Hannah is criminally wasted. Okay, yes, seriously. We'll get into it more when the episode starts, but why was Hannah not, like, the main villain for the second half of the season? Right? If they wanted to kill one off, they should have killed off Rex, and then had Hannah come back even more powerful for the finale. Yeah, and it would have worked. I mean, it could be like that uh, Final Fantasy game where that clown that was hanging out with the main villain turned out to actually be the main villain. Yeah, yeah. I never played that. I didn't play any of the old ones. I got really into Mystic Quest, which is, like... Final Fantasy Junior. Uh, see, I was into the Dragon Quest games. Oh, okay. Which is basically, uh, I mean, it's kind of Final Fantasy if it was designed by the guy who made the Dragon Ball show slash manga. Sure. Akira Toriyama. He did the character design, so they all look like that one kid he's always drawing. Huh. I never played any of that. They're fun games. They're they're very easy to learn, although the difficulty curve kind of goes all over the place. Gotcha. But what is with the title of this episode? Right? God, I was wondering that myself. Wicca Envy, that's not really wordplay. It's not really wordplay, and it has basically nothing to do with anything that goes on in the episode. This episode was written by Brad Kern. Oh, uh, okay. There we go. Rather, it's uh, story credit, story by Brad Kern, and teleplay by Brad Kern and Cheryl J. Anderson, Hmm. which is the case for a lot of Brad Kern and Constance M. Burge written episodes where they have the story by credit and then the teleplay is by them and Cheryl J. Anderson. Oh, kind of a silent third. Yeah, yeah, she kind of is. We should keep an eye out for her after Constance M. Burge leaves the show, see, if uh, she was still there. I peeked ahead and she is, Hmm. but it... It is interesting to watch, yeah. Yeah. Also, this episode was directed by Mel Damsky, who has directed a lot of television, a lot more episodes of Charmed. We'll see him pop up. I think the most notable episode he did, though, is the second part of A Witch's Tale, the mermaid episode. Dear Lord, wasn't that, like, supposed to be a backdoor pilot for some show about mermaids that didn't... Yes, it was. Yeah, did not get made because of the CW merger. Most relevant to you, though, I think, is that uh, he won an Emmy for an episode of Lou Grant. Oh, well, that's so weird. We were just talking about Mary Tyler Moore spinoffs earlier today. Yeah. The only one I've seen is Rhoda, which is bad. I was thinking about Phyllis because I really find that actress funny. Uh-huh. But I don't know. Just, I really enjoy Valerie. Leachman. 
yes, I, well, I love Cloris Leachman, but I also really enjoyed Valerie Harper and uh, Julie Kavner. And still, Rhoda was just hot garbage. I know, I really like Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore. I don't know why Rhoda just doesn't work. Mm. Maybe, you know, to be, we only watched the pilot, and then we were like, oh, this is bad. Maybe it just has pilotitis. Maybe we should watch a later episode. Maybe. Has anyone else seen Rhoda? Is it is it ever worth it? Yeah, let us know. So, Charmed. We open with Phoebe and Prue coming back from a shopping spree. Yeah, like, like the kind of shopping spree you do in the manic swing of a manic depressive episode. Like, what the hell, Brad Curran? This is so women be shopping. I wasn't going to say, but yes, this does have strong that energy. Apparently, Phoebe has taken Prue shopping to help her get over her breakup with Andy, which happened like two episodes ago-ish. And it's like a comical amount of shopping. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little cartoony. But this girl time sister fun having is interrupted by a different kind of girl time sister fun having also speaking of cartoony yes okay apparently piper and leo are doing a little tex avery wolf role play it's what wait what what are you getting that from it's the kind of sex that's portrayed in cartoons in a very broad way so children kind of but not really get what's going on okay well here's what weirds me out let me i'm just gonna dissect this moment the sexy times that we see okay we see leo and piper emerge from the kitchen Mm -hmm. leo is wearing jeans and an undershirt okay (laughs) this is so not the cw wait, wait wait okay so he's taken off his shirt which piper is wearing piper is wearing his shirt And it's open so that we can see that Piper is down to a bra and boxer shorts. But they're not Leo's boxer shorts because he's still wearing his jeans. Or if they are Leo's boxer shorts, he disrobed, gave them to her, and then put his jeans back on. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's something that's very clearly sexual and yet so far removed from what sex is. Well, okay, so they come running into the room and then Piper does this slapstick style thing where she trips and slides on her belly across the floor to her sisters and freezes time as she does so so leo is frozen and when they're teasing her phoebe says oh she wore a front clasp bra she means business that as far as i know is not a thing well yeah you you know the old poem if she's wearing a front strap bra she's ready for business (laughs) i don't know like theoretically like the theory, I guess, here is that a front strap bra is easier to unclasp and therefore more likely to result in sexy times. Um, it takes me a fraction of a second to unclasp my back clasp bra, so what is happening? I don't think I've ever seen a front clasp bra in real life. Are they less handy to use? One, I'd think that they'd get more play. Are they harder to use? Are they uncomfortable? Um, Have you ever had they, one? They don't work well if you're... Um, if you have a generous endowment, so oh I don't wear them. I don't know. I figure they're probably with something structural, which yeah, is they, why they're yeah. not more commonplace. Although God knows, button flies are still a thing for some reason. I like button flies. It's just, it's too much work. We need to be in and out. Come on. Okay. Well, I, again, different anatomy issues. So maybe sex is just different in this universe. 
I... Like, they burned witches at Salem and people have sex weird. Also, it's hard to tell because she quickly, when she's being teased by her sisters, like, pulls her shirt closed. But I'm pretty sure from the quick glimpse we see, Piper actually isn't wearing a front-class bra. Well, remember, these are the same people who had Phoebe wearing a backless uh, dress that very clearly showed off the tattoo we're not supposed to know that she has. Oh, oh, wait till we get to the, in quotation marks, Cinderella dress. Oh, God. In quotation marks, because it's not a dress. I don't know what that thing is. I, I don't either. Like... I, if you were being really generous, you could call that thing clothes. But I, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, so I'm just going to say that it's funny that it's a Cinderella dress, because what it reminds me of more than anything is... The Halle Berry Catwoman costume? No, the dress that the stepsisters rip up in the beginning of the Cinderella movie. Oh, yeah. I, after it's ripped up. We're having a hard time talking about this episode, aren't we? Yeah, so Piper's got Leo frozen. She's talking to her sisters about how she's about to, you know, get it on with Leo. But also they need to get out of there because she doesn't know how long her freeze is going to last. Which led me to theorize that at some point he unfroze and just kept standing still so that the girls didn't get caught because of what we know about Leo. Yeah, Piper's freezes are sporadic at best. There was a thing a few episodes where she could feel an unfreeze coming, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. So, Piper hustles them out of the room because they wouldn't have just walked into the room anyway. I guess she's doing it so that she can go upstairs and have sex with Leo. Are Phoebe and Prue just going to sit downstairs and pretend she's not having sex? I would think that kind of would have thrown some cold water on Piper, but... Eh. I mean, I think when you live with other people, you just get used to pretending they're not in the house when you're having sex in other parts of the house. Or if you're my old roommate, you invite a bunch of people over and then go into your room to have sex with your boyfriend loudly while you leave your other roommate, me, to talk to the people you invited over. That's really weird. Yeah, well. In the living room where Prue and Phoebe have been shuttled off, we see someone we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, Kit. Kit Watch 2020. Or, alternatively, Kit Watch 1998. Kit Watch 99. 99. Kit is doing that thing that Kit can do, like, sometimes, but isn't really in the show enough for it to be an established thing, where she sees the ghost of Rex. Yes, Rex has Astral projected into the room, and Prue does not see him, but Kit, being a cat, and a magical cat, does, and hisses at him. And, okay, I this is so annoying. I find this so annoying. The whole astral projection thing. Because as a superpower, it's it's too much, okay? He can astral project next to them and then essentially mind control them. That's too powerful. Oh, see, I was going to go in another direction. I was like, like, take astral projection or take mind control. Don't use both of them as though they're the same thing. <laughs> that too. I, it's... It, it's basically just they decided this episode to move things along. They were going to give Rex, who has basically done nothing this whole season, they were going to give him this god-level power and then get rid of him by the end of the episode. Well, keep in mind the most impressive, or possibly I think the only magical thing we've seen Rex do up to this point was read Hannah's mind. At least Hannah had that fire breath thing. 
Yeah. It, it seems like Hannah has way better powers than Rex. Yeah, even in this episode where he has this god-level power, her power is cooler. I wouldn't say it's god-level. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, mental illusions. He has tricked Prue into taking a tiara, a very expensive tiara, from the auction house. A ro- they call it the Romanov tiara. Oh. Yes. Uh, she has taken it from the office because he has mentally tricked her into thinking it's her date book. Right. So he tells her to put it in her in her secretariat, in her desk. Yes. Kit is hissing at her all the while. I feel like Kit is green screened here. It's this very odd shot where Prue's like, hey, Kit, it's okay. And she's just kind of holding her hand behind the cat. And the cat's like positioned weirdly in front of her on the desk. I think maybe the two of them are positioned weirdly because Rex is definitely green screened in. So they probably had to position Shannon Doherty weirdly. And she probably couldn't move to where the cat actually moved to. The whole thing has one of those, you know, not very well green screened YouTube video feels. Yes. So Rex wants to stick around and watch her take off her sweater, which she's doing in the middle of her living room. I mean, isn't that what you do after you get home and put your date book in your drawer? You immediately start disrobing? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But he's drawn back to his body so that he can exposit what just happened to Hannah. Okay, so we were having a discussion about this earlier. I think uh, Hannah's a redhead, but you think she's blonde? No, you know what, looking at her, she's definitely a redhead. I just, she seemed... I mean, I can definitely see it. She's she's strawberry blonde. Yeah. And the reason we were talking about it is because... Nothing happens to a blonde woman this episode unless Hannah is blonde. Right. Strawberry blonde. Okay, so he's explaining astral projection to Hannah. And Okay, I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I love how willfully obtuse Hannah's being. I know, I was like, what are you doing, Hannah? Cause Hannah's been mean but not all that smart, but this is sort of taking that to the next level where she's like, What what, what were you doing, Rex? You were just sitting in your chair and and looking gap-jawed, and I don't get the plan, Rex, and wait, no, explain to me what you were doing again with the telepathy, and what? He's like, I've explained astral projection to you ten times, and then he explains it to her again, and she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> All right, you said that you think that they were given these powers just recently, but he doesn't say anything about that. Oh, okay, yeah, well, that was the only thing I could think of, was him getting these powers recently, otherwise you'd think he would have used them before now. I mean, that's the only makes sense but he's explaining this power to hannah that we've never seen him use before and there's no explanation as to why he just got a new power i mean i guess hell sent it to him for i don't know they haven't really done a good job at all there was the whole thing where they had to prove that the girls were the charmed ones even though we knew they were the charmed ones it's and it seemed like the shapeshifters knew they were the charmed ones i mean is it really that big a secret that these three sisters are the charmed ones? They, they're, I, they're Hallowells. The, feels like there's a whole legacy thing here going on. Right? But last episode, they insisted that at least now they knew the girls were the charmed ones. So perhaps they got these powers once they delivered that information to Hell? I guess. All right. So Rex has a new power. I'm going to be generous and say it's a new power because otherwise what are we doing in this scene? Okay, but even so, these are like the mid-season bad guys. These have been the running bad guys in the show. And honestly, I think both of their powers are weaker than, say, Javna. Yeah, Javna had a much cooler power. So 
He demonstrates his power to Hannah by astral projecting over to her and using his mind whispering to make her take off her clothes in front of him. Yeah. She should call Hell's HR department. And also, that's not really showing her how the power works. She's totally horny for you all the time. Right? I mean, the only thing I could think is that her whole explain it to me for the hundredth time was part of like a game. Oh, I thought that it might have been that Rex keeps on demonstrating instead of explaining it to her. So every time he tries to explain it, they just end up having sex and she doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) That could be it too. I just... I don't get it. I I don't know what we're doing with Rex and Hannah in this episode. I honestly don't. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because, you know, this is the last Rex and Hannah episode. Yeah. I, a lot of stuff with them, it feels really weirdly rushed. They haven't done anything essentially all season. The biggest thing they did was summon that guy last episode. Yeah. Like, outside of that, they nearly brought a gift to a wedding once. Right? So they haven't done anything. So this episode, they're like, okay, so let's really pump up their powers. Let's give them both new cool powers and then get rid of them at the end. Charmed has this issue a lot. Like, I I feel like we're not really going to see it until, say, the seer. Mm-hmm. But they, they have an issue with building up, you know what, I'm going to give Rex and Hannah the benefit of the doubt. Cool sort of sub-villains for the main villains which the main is the main villain ever anyone other than the source i mean no <laughs> i know we have like the avatars or zanku later but charmed doesn't really have big bads so much as the source over and over and over again yeah that's true but you were saying they build up yeah they build up these sub villains again rex and hannah cole the seer that are really cool and then kind of go out like chumps. Yes! Yes! Cole, oh my god, poor Cole. R.I.P. Cole. Although Cole was more of a glory problem villain by the end. Well, honestly, I can't wait to talk about Cole. If Glory and Spike had a kid, it would be Cole. So, the show goes to credits, and then it comes back from credits, and we get about an hour and a half montage of Shannon Doherty trying on different outfits. Okay, did they run out of budget? Was the Panther stuff later too expensive? Because otherwise, this is way too long just to watch Shannon Doherty putting on what is more or less different versions of the same outfit. Well, I don't think it's to fill time. I think it is essentially meant to be, like, fashion porn, but... It's not. Fashion porn for the slightly dowdy. I mean, they're all nice looking outfits, but I mean, none of them are like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I could afford that. He said not having an interest in women's fashion, but I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's all pretty standard late 90s fare. Wow, she's wearing a black dress and a blazer. (whistles) So when she's done trying on clothes, she comes downstairs and we see Phoebe also wearing a power suit. Yeah, apparently it's one of Prue's old ones because now that she has new clothes, she won't need her old ones anymore. And it does not look good on Alyssa Milano. I mean, Alyssa Milano is a very, very beautiful woman. She looks good in it because she looks good in everything. But, like, my God, she looks like a five-year-old playing in Daddy's Closet. Okay, the blazer is too big for her. Yeah. She says she took it because she's going to go on a job interview. But I have to point out that 
this is fiction? Mm-hmm. In reality, that blazer was theoretically picked and tailored for Alyssa Milano, but you're right, it's too big for her. There's no excuse. Oh. It's not actually Shannon Doherty's blazer. Yeah, which is, I mean, I guess it would be commitment to the bit that she's borrowing her bigger sister's clothes, but... Yeah, no one was thinking that far ahead on this show. Yeah. So, Piper is trying to go to work, but first her sister stopped her to hear about the hot, hot sex that she was having with Leo. Oof, uncomfortable sex. Okay, so, putting that aside just for a little bit. Okay. Again, I don't have a sibling. I don't feel like this is how sisters talk to each other. This part isn't that weird to me. Okay. They're asking about, you know, how awesome Leo's dong was. And Piper's like, oh, I mean, it was pretty good, but it's been a while since I had sex. Since Jeremy, probably. I, I, I guess my last uh, my last romantic interest was Ghost John Cho. And, you know, we couldn't fuck. That was the big problem. Didn't she have a romantic interest in the episode where they did the love spell? Oh, right. She had that series of bland guys. I yeah. guess she didn't have sex with any of them, though. Did she not? I don't think so. I know, obviously, Phoebe did. But Did they just talk all night? Yes, they just talked about romantic things all night because that, even in season one, that doesn't seem like what Piper would be into, but it's what she wrote down. Yeah, that's true. But no, she boned the hell out of Leo, including using her powers on him. Ooh, not okay. Yeah, like... I remember, I remember them joking about this, but I thought it was later and more consensual than that. I mean, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's still not great. Yeah, no, she froze him during sex and then kept going. That's... Okay, first of all, no. Also, that just, that feels like something a man came up with to me. Oh, so what you're telling me is... Women don't like it when you stop moving and stay perfectly still during sex. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a turn on. Are you saying that my uh, my script for a gender flipped version of the movie Mannequin is not going to make it off the ground? <laughs> Everything <laughs> so much let's go back to charm. So much wrong with what you just said. Oh what? my god. Is it is it different than That's the... not what happens in Mannequin. <laughs> what do you think Mannequin is about? Isn't it about, like, a mannequin that gets brought to... It's, um... Kim Cattrall. I was gonna say Pygmalion. Yes. It's Pygmalion, except with a mannequin. And also, I think the Greek gods were in there somewhere, because Xanadu had come out and everyone was ripping it off. Yeah, she's like an ancient princess who had been frozen into a mannequin. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then they made a sequel, Mannequin 2, Mannequin on the Move. Yeah. 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 Ooh, there is some. There is. <laughs> There's some quality content out there. Ooh, okay, back to Charmed. Back to Charmed. Speaking of quality content. So. So Piper is refusing to get excited about her new romance because she knows that things always go wrong, which seems like a real downer thing to feel because. Although it is aggressively in character for Piper. Yeah, fair enough. Something good happens to Piper and she's like, nope. Nope, not trust in this. It's gonna go south sometime. And then all of the sisters start leaving the house and Leo comes downstairs and he's like, so am I, are you just all leaving me here? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. 
And they do, by the way. They do all just leave him there in the house. Like, I know he's their handyman and stuff, and he's probably there all the time when they're not there, but that seems kind of weird. And rude, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you, uh, Piper's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have said bye to you. And then she books out, like, are, are you going to have breakfast? Are you going to... This is such a weird scene. Like, what? And, and, and weirdly, we know he doesn't have a key because later in the episode, he comes in and he says, I hope it's okay. I let myself in. The door was unlocked. So he doesn't have a key. It's not like he's there. It's not like they were like, you're in our house alone all the time. You have a key. You come and go as you want. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not sure what's going on here. So it's a poorly blocked scene is what's going on. Yes. So, so Prue has brought Phoebe to her office, I guess. Is Phoebe's interview with someone at Buckland? Yeah, it is. Okay. Phoebe's applying for a job at Buckland. Oh, yeah, good. That's that's going to go well. Prue and Phoebe get along so well. Why not throw professional life into that mix? Oh, yeah, definitely. But everything is chaos at Buckland's because the Romanoff tiara has been stolen. As a security guard who has a name very, very... Uh, as a security guard who very conspicuously has a name and is apparently friends with uh, Prue, tells Prue there was a break-in and something very fancy was stolen, the Romanoff tiara. So keep that in mind. This guy has a name and apparently knows Prue. Okay. So, yeah. This character is going to be important enough to the plot so that they were willing to pay this actor slightly more by giving his character a name. And a line. And a line. So Rex comes out, and Prue is like, this is the worst thing that could happen for our business, because people don't like it when they give something to an auction house, and the auction house has it get stolen. That's uh, that's why they pay her the big bucks. Yes. But no, honestly, they need someone like this saying shit like this, because Rex is like, yeah, this is a problem, but... I have a hot concert to go to tonight. And Phoebe's like, I could go to a hot concert. Yeah. What is happening in the scripting of this episode? Because Rex is like, Prue, can you please take care of all of the crimes that are happening around here? Phoebe, do you want to go see the bangles with me? It's the verve. The verve. Also, then he says, I'll pick you up at seven. And it's like, well, well. Well, if you're not going to pick her up till 7, you could probably deal with this tiara issue right now, right? And then Phoebe just turns around and leaves. Didn't she have a job interview? Or or was she just going in with Prue to the office and then she was going to her job? Okay, okay. She says to Prue, I'll bring you back the car. So I think they just went in together so that Phoebe could have the car. Ah, okay. So at, le- at least that part was explained but why 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 is this Prue's responsibility to work with the police other than the fact that for some reason andy's investigating this even though it's in no way a homicide well didn't you know andy's the only inspector on the andy and daryl yes andy and daryl are the only inspectors in all of san francisco speaking of oh my god andy this episode andy's like hey Prue. I know you're I know you're innocent of this even though last episode I threw a goddamn pitch fit over you having a feather outside of a museum. And, yeah, yeah. And Hannah's like, "Oh, Prue, your ex-boyfriend is investigating who might have stolen our precious tiara that I noticed you looking at really hard with your eyes." 
hey, Andy, maybe, maybe look into that. Bye. Yeah, she's like, hey, Andy, you'll probably want to talk to Bruce, and she's the last person who had the tiara. And then she glides off. God, I wish we got more of Hannah. I'm telling you, criminally underused. I mean, we've got kind of a, uh, you know, she could be like the harmony of this show if harmony was. Yes, she could have been this show's harmony. Oh, anyway. A slightly more threatening harmony. Yeah. Anyway, rather than, you know, interview her and get her statement right there while she's there, she says she'll go down to the station that afternoon. Yeah, okay, this episode does not really, uh, it doesn't work as well if you take it and sort of break it down and see what's happening. Yeah, if you break it down scene by scene, this episode works less well than if you just, like, let it wash over you. Yeah, and just accept that thing one is leading into thing two, even if they don't really have anything in common with one another. Speaking of thing one and two, Rex goes back into his office, and Hannah is pissed that he gave her ticket to Phoebe because she wanted to go see the Verve. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't... I, I don't get this. I mean... Does hell not have good music? One would think hell would have better music. Than All hell. of the best music is in hell. Yeah. And 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 Rex, also, why is this part of Rex's plan? Rex tells Hannah that part of his master plan is to seduce Phoebe because that will piss off Prue. And if she's pissed off, she's more likely to give up her power when they ask her to. That's some interesting logic there, Rex. <laughs> okay, so... We go from this scene to the police station where Prue is doing her interview. So I just have to say, this could still be at the auction house. We don't need a time and space jump. I don't know. You could have saved on location. What are we doing here? I mean, it's a set they have. It's not like, but, but it's weird. It's weird. So anyway. So Andy's like, so Prue, the security guard... Jaime, who you have a prior relationship with, a prior friendly relationship, uh, he says that you were the last person who was in the vault. Yeah, and Andy and Daryl are, like, looking really intense at her, and Daryl's like, there was no sign of forced entry. This was definitely an inside job, Prue. And, uh... Prue's like, so you're looking for someone? Someone like me? And Andy's like, don't be ridiculous, Prue. And she's like, Really? Really? Just suddenly completely different than from last episode. Right, where he was ready to arrest her for having a feather. Oh, and for having someone break a window in her office. Yep, that's definitely arrestworthy. That's definitely something that a homicide detective is going to investigate. What's weird is, Daryl calls him out on this. Okay, God fucking bless Daryl. Because Daryl's like... Wait, last episode you were going to arrest her for having a feather outside of a museum, and Andy's like, I just don't, I know she's got something going on, but I just, I don't think that she's guilty of this. What? Also, Andy's like, that was a different situation, but no, it wasn't. Also, he doesn't give any reasons he thinks it was a different situation. What is going on with Andy? It's different because now I'm less angry about our breakup. Also, Prue is looking hella guilty because Rex and Hannah are framing her. She brought over the security tapes from the auction house, except for the security tape that shows the vault from whence the tiara was stolen. For crying out loud, Prue. 
And I mean, I know that, like, they're messing with her mind or whatever, but I feel like that's something that one of the three of them should have caught at some point before she left. Yeah, you'd think Andy would be like, hey, you're supposed to have five tapes, but you only have three, or none of these tapes are labeled place where the tiara was stolen. Also, I, I, I'm glad you said that none of the tapes are labeled, because actually none of the tapes are labeled, so I don't know how Daryl knows that none of them are the vault. Yeah, th- this really doesn't bear up to close scrutiny. So, Prue apparently, even though this interview was at one o'clock, didn't go back to work afterwards. <laughs> okay. She went to Quake to talk to Piper about her sex life Pi- instead. Piper, who's working the bar, even though she made that big stink out of that not being her job. Well, she made a big stink about how she's not going to do everything and he has to hire people. So presumably he did, but that doesn't mean she won't ever get stuck working the bar. I feel like she should be high enough so that she's not ever working the bar. I mean, she's supposed to be like the head chef now, isn't she? Yeah, no, you're right. In fact, I was going to say, she's not necessarily working the bar. She's at the bar, but she's actually filling a register to get it ready. But no, that's not what a head chef does either. Yeah, wait, she shouldn't be out front at all. What am I even saying? <laughs> no, what's going on? I forgot for a second that she was a chef and not the manager of this restaurant. Mm. Yeah, okay. So Prue tells Piper that the super, super valuable tiara was stolen, that it's worth like $11 billion, and that whoever gets caught, you know, with the tiara is going to jail forever. And then in come Phoebe and Rex. And they ask her how was the concert. So I guess this isn't directly after Prue's interview. I guess this is after the concert. So like at one in the morning. Sure. Why not? I think we are supposed to... Maybe Piper's taking money out of the bar cashier. Like uh, she's closing up. But yeah, yeah, but she shouldn't be closing up. Yeah. Also, Although there's still a lot of people around. It's way around. too crowded for her to be closing up. Okay. Yeah, I just... Do restaurant things. This is a restaurant. Do restaurant things. I mean, she could be cashing out someone else. Mm. But again, not her job. Apparently, they had fun at the concert, and Phoebe is super horny for Rex's accent. And uh, Rex is like, so, Prue, how is that whole robbery situation I left you with? And Prue's like, they think it was a dun-dun-dun-dun-dun inside job. I mean... Yeah. 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 But since as far as we know, only four people work at the auction house, it's quite a thing to say to one of the other people who works at the auction house. Well, we know it's either Rex, Hannah, Jaime, or Prue. Yeah. Who could it possibly be? So Piper asks Prue if she's jealous of Phoebe and Rex banging it out, and... Prue insists that it's not that she's jealous, it's that she doesn't want her boss having sex with her sister, and I feel like that's valid. I feel like this is not directly, but at least kind of a callback to her fallout with her fiancé, Roger. Because, remember, she... Oh, right! I forgot that Roger, who was also her boss... Claimed that he slept with Phoebe, although Phoebe said that she didn't. What a weird breakup that was. Yeah. Huh. I believe him. I believe he didn't have sex with Phoebe. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely believe Phoebe. And I think Prue has a track record of not believing Phoebe. You know. But, yes, we see a lingering shot of Prue, you know, 
looking wistfully at Roger, which, okay. Okay, Rex. show. Rex. Got Rex and Roger. Yeah, yeah no, lots of parallels. The next morning at the manor, it is all about who is banging who, which is how you know that this is a Brad Kern episode and not a Constance and Burge episode. Yep, Constance and Burge episode, sisterhood is important. Current episode, people are having sex. Yep, yep. So Piper's on the phone with Leo, and Phoebe has got some flowers from Rex. Thank you for the lovely evening. The job is on its way. Love, Rex. Yeah, so super gross, Rex. Yeah, that's really gross. And Phoebe's like, who opened these flowers? Or I guess the envelope. Yeah, because the, the box and the envelope were already opened when she got there. And Prue's like, so, banging your way into uh, employment, huh? And Phoebe's like, that's really gross. I just went out and I had a fun time with your boss. And he he knows a guy who knows a guy. And they're like, I'm going to get a job. You could try being happy for me, Prue, instead of being a giant rain cloud for no goddamn reason. I mean, it is weird. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah okay it's weird but asking someone out on a date and then the next day sending them flowers with a note that literally says the job is on the way it's gross Mm. it's creepy and it's gross and although prue does tell phoebe that she doesn't want her dating rex because she doesn't want rex to know that she is a witch and it's like we know prue (laughs) no one's gonna tell anyone that any of us are witches calm down so the doorbell rings, and Prue goes to answer the door in really weird pants. I can't tell what texture they are. They're satin pants. She's wearing brown satin pants. It's a weird look. I think they're pajama pants. I'd hope so. I they, they, they appear to be pajama pants, so it's okay. But at the door are Andy and Daryl, who are here to raid the house. They have a warrant, and they're looking for tiaras. Yep, last episode... Phoebe told them to go and come back with a warrant, and this episode they did. Good for them. Although, I really feel like Andy should not be on this case. Definitely not! The main suspect is his ex-girlfriend! What is- what is- no! So, anyway, they start tossing the living room, looking for the tiara, and they also let Prue know that- the only relevant security tape wasn't amongst the tapes she brought them. Yeah, and she does a kind of Mark Wahlberg in the happening thing where she's like, what? No, I brought all the tapes. Where she thinks she did. Why is she talking like she's... Lying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Daryl opens the drawer of the desk that has the tiara in it. And Piper is on the case. She sees the tiara and immediately freezes everybody. Yeah. And Prue's like, why did you do that? And Piper's like, tiara, fucking tiara. So, okay, this scene is so annoying to me. So, she hides the tiara behind, like, a couch cushion and then unfreezes everybody. And Rex has Astral projected into the room. So, he whispers to Andy, go look behind the couch cushion. So, then they have to freeze him again and move the tiara. And then Rex is like, go look in the dresser. And then they have to freeze them again. What? I, I hate this scene. It's so... It, it, if it was done, like, a little more slapsticky, it would work. But as it is, it's just, like, annoying. It's kind of like if you're playing a video game, like an RPG, 
or uh, if you're playing like a Magic the Gathering type game, and both of your decks are really big on defense, so every turn is just kind of like doing very, very minimal damage and waiting out the and trying to wait out the other person. Yeah. It's kind of like that because it's just the same slight variations of the same action over and over again. And finally Rex is like, wait a second. This isn't working. Fuck you. Fuck you, Piper. And then he bamps out and Piper's like, why, why do I feel like I should be fucked? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. He calls her a miserable witch and she's like, oh, weird. I feel bad about myself out of nowhere. Also... Also, Rex is like, oh, why isn't this working? You knew Piper could freeze things. Seriously. Also, also, so, Auntie and Daryl burst into the house. They check one drawer, a couch cushion, the same drawer again, and then leave. And the desk. They checked the desk and the dresser. So, you know, I mean, there's really nothing more they could have done. I mean, did they even leave the one room they went to? Max, they checked the desk and the dresser. What more do you want? Uh, so Rex bamps back to his own body and he's like, hmm, they're even more fiendishly clever than I expected. Even Hannah is like, what? You're bad at this. So he's like, if we can't frame them for thievery, we have to frame them for murder. And Hannah's like, can we just kill them? Also, it's like, you couldn't successfully frame them for for robbery. You think that you could successfully frame them for murder? I can't lift this five pound weight. Certainly I'll be able to lift this 25 pound weight. Those are different numbers. God. Anyway, the girls have figured out that a warlock must be after them. I mean, okay. Okay. Do you, does Rex know how many literal murder scenes these girls have shown up at? Okay, yeah. I mean, this doesn't come up in this episode, but, like, you brought up Javna. When Andy and Daryl arrived at the scene of the murder, like, they were just there, chilling. Yeah, and when that third eye guy came back from the future to kill all of those uh, people who created the anti-warlock vaccine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were at at least one murder scene in that, which, of course, Andy and Daryl were handling. Plus, they were at the wedding. Yeah, they were at that wedding where the bride flipped out and started controlling the weather. And also, they were there when that priest got killed. I mean, honestly, it's it's bad that Daryl and Andy are not suspicious. Like... This should be the e- this should be the easiest group of women to frame for murder. I don't know why Hannah and Rex are so bad at their jobs. Mm. You had one job. You had one job. Anyway, Leo comes into the room just to remind us that he exists and then he leaves so that Phoebe can get suspicious that perhaps Leo is a warlock. Yeah, and Piper's like, why do you always accuse my boyfriends of being warlocks? And Phoebe makes a, you know, gesture and Piper's like, because, you know. Jeremy was a warlock. Jeremy was. Has Phoebe had... Uh, oh, duh. Javna! Like, Phoebe's had Javna, and anyone else But they weren't dating. She was just gonna bang him. Yeah, that's true. He was just a photographer that she was going to have sex with. Is that it? 
Is that it for Phoebe at this point? I think that's it for Phoebe. Well, I mean, and now Rex. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Phoebe's Phoebe's quickly acquiring her own uh, menagerie harem. of... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, you brought up that this episode is similar to the Buffy episode Angel. Yes. Yes. This is the Angel of Charmed. Well, in that when you're watching Buffy now... 23 years after it aired it's everyone knows that angel's a vampire with the soul he had a whole spin-off about being that so it's funny to watch it and realize that for the first seven episodes the first seven weeks that it was airing he was just some guy who appeared yeah he was just this weird guy who showed up every once in a while gave her cryptic advice sometimes punched people and then left yeah, that must have been so mind-blowing when it happened. Yeah, Seven was the shocking episode where all of a sudden he, like, goes into vampire face and is like, oh, he's a vampire! So, likewise, in this episode, it's the first time that we realize something might be up with Leo. I mean, we've seen Leo do kind of suspicious things a little bit in the past. Have we? I don't think we have. I think we've had. I think there have been hints that Leo is up to something more than just being a handyman. But I can imagine this being kind of mind blowing that Leo is a magic guy. Yeah. At the time, it's weird because we know that he's the White Lighter. Like, yes. This is in no way shocking. Speaking of, why is he not fired for everything that goes down with Piper? Right. Like. I know that apparently Leo banging his charges is something that has happened in the past. It's something he's gotten in trouble for in the past. Which, given given what happened with the Charmed One's mom and her white lighter, you think that they wouldn't... You know what? You think they wouldn't send a dude white lighter. Yeah, why, why even open that can of worms? Yeah. Hmm, let's see. Patty was too distracted from banging her white lighter to not get drowned by a lake demon... Maybe we should stop sending attractive dude white lighters to this one family. Yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of pissed off we never got more of uh, Grams's relationship with the elders. Because you can't imagine it was a positive one. No. Oh my goodness. And I would love to have seen, like, Grams with, with, a, with her white lighter. Yeah. Because we know that, we know, well, we know Leo hung out at her house in the 70s. But I don't think was he was... He? Was he her white lighter? I don't think he was her white lighter. I don't think he was her white lighter. I can't swear to that. Oh, see, that's what Charm should have done. A Grams spinoff that takes place in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love Grams. She's kind of the worst person ever. Yeah, yeah. It would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's like Endora. Yes! Okay, that can't we, have we, been a... That can't, yeah. That can't have been a, a coincidence. She's clearly Andorra. Yeah, and their mom is clearly Samantha, and, you know... Oh That's my why they have two dads! Oh my god, the two Victor Bennets. Mind blown. <laughs> wow. So, the phone rings, and it's for Phoebe. Whoever could it be? Yep. Yep, it's Rex calling over to the manor to basically get Prue all riled up by... <laughs> getting phoebe all riled up i do like uh it's great stage business piper was dusting earlier in the scene uh-huh 
Just so she could have a feather duster to fake dust off Phoebe while she's talking to Rex on the phone. It is a cute, like, sister bit. It definitely is. Yeah, she starts fake dusting Phoebe and Phoebe kind of waves her off. So Phoebe leaves the room with the phone so that Piper and Prue can talk some more about how the theft had to have been someone at the auction house. Which means they had to have been set up by someone at the auction house. And Prue's like, hey, you know what? Remember that one time we cast, uh, I cast that truth spell and then Hannah told me that she wanted to destroy me? Maybe she has something to do with this. Gee, I wonder. Maybe I should have followed up on that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Leo is going up to the charmed attic to use telekinesis to look for something. Yeah, so he uses telekinesis to open three different... Hope chest. Oh, I guess it does make sense that there are three hope chests because there are three girls. Anyway, he opens up these three hope chests that are up in the attic. He could have done it with his hands, but he does it with telekinesis so that we, the audience, can see that he is magical. <gasps> I mean, honestly, this is a pretty solid red herring. Yeah, I yeah, it, it just seems silly now that we know the truth. Much like the fake reveal of Chris oh. is going to seem silly in retrospect. I can't wait to talk about all the Chris stuff. But Piper comes up and she's like, Hey, Leo, what the fuck are you doing up here? You said you were going to go fix the sink. And he's like, Oh, I uh, I wasn't doing anything evil. I definitely wasn't doing anything evil because I'm, I'm not an evil guy. But I might have to leave soon. Yeah, he knows he's in trouble. I might have to go back home. And Piper's like, Why did you say it like that? And he's like, What? I just said I might need to go back home she's like is your home far away and he's like in a manner of speaking dear lord leo i know he's such a drama queen so he's like i guess i better get back to work let me just kiss your eyeball creepily and then turn back to look at you before walking down the stairs yeah he walks sadly away while piper stares sadly into the distance and she sees one of the drawers is slightly open. <gasps> okay, here's the thing. She sees that one of the drawers is slightly open and the tiara is in the drawer. But Phoebe's the one who hid it. So this shouldn't be suspicious to Piper. Piper's thought should be that Phoebe didn't close all the drawer all the way when she was rushing to hide the tiara. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Meanwhile, Phoebe is going to Rex's apartment, which... He invited her for a dinner party, but there are no other guests. And he uses his, he uses his astral mind whammy so that she'll see a super fancy apartment instead of, as we'll see later, this sort of abandoned warehouse looking place. Except the hallway's still fancy. He didn't use his power on her until... She's already in the hallway. Is this just a warehouse with really fancy hallways? I was wondering why she doesn't fall on the ground when she tries to sit on a chair. <laughs> yeah. I think later we see that there are, like, boxes and stuff. I, I guess. I guess. So. He tells her he got her an interview at Zeitgeist Magazine. Oh, Lord. Have we established Phoebe as a writer at this point? Well, no, but she's into fashion apparently because she's Cause she wears clothes. She's played by Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano does have her own fashion line. Yeah, and she was on one of those fashion shows. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah. 
but uh she's apparently going to write about fashion for zeitgeist magazine and she's like oh well what do i need to do to you to get this job and he's like you need to have sex with me the penis parts of me and she's like she's like how dare you and he's like lol jk which it's not funny also it just seems like no you were totally serious but you know now that it appears she's not down for it you're you know you're like oh no backing off yeah okay then he does this thing he he goes into the hallway and he astral projects to her to give her a fake premonition of prue being attacked by a panther at work you know, one of those famous San Francisco <laughs> office panthers. San Francisco office panther. I just... Phoebe's <laughs> yeah. like, I have to go all of the sudden, Rex. It's been a lovely evening. And she walks out and then the apartment reverts. Yeah, it vanishes so that we, the audience, know that it was all a projection into her mind. There is nothing I will point out Yeah, where the couch was. It's an empty apartment. Maybe she was just sitting in midair and she's going to wonder why her calves are so sore later. I mean, she does have strong calves. She's Alyssa Milano. Mm. So, yeah, he... So then Rex takes out his cell phone, which is what Phoebe should have done, because what's she going to do against a panther? It's true. It's true. If Prue can't handle the panther, she doesn't have a better power. Like, maybe call animal control and send them to Prue's office. But no. Instead, Rex calls 911 and he suddenly sounds like Jaime and he's like, You have to come quick. Prue Hallowell is murdering me. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, at the auction house, we see that Prue and Jaime are there. And he gets some more lines with Prue so that we can establish that he's a nice guy whose death would be really sad. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I I thought no innocents died in this episode, but no, Jaime's an innocent. Yeah, yeah. And Prue's talking out, she's like, this case has fallen to me instead of, like, you or the cops to solve. Or Rex! Or Rex. So I'm trying to find the videotape that will prove that I'm innocent. Do you know where the videotapes are? Also, she's like, is there any chance that when I thought I was alone, Hannah was actually here stealing the tiara? And Jaime's like, no, I would have noticed that because I don't like Hannah and I like you because you're a good person and I'm a good person and we're all good people except for Hannah. Yes, he also tells her he knows for sure that she couldn't have done it. And then... Prue's like, ooh, how about if I hop on Hannah's computer instead and find all of the guilty evidence there? This is this is why you, you know, lock your computers. Yeah. Although I love... Do they even have that then? I don't know, actually. Although I do love these old school Macs. So she's searching the personnel records and there are no records for Hannah or Rex, which should not be the case. Yeah, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. I mean, should, does this mean Prue doesn't actually have a job at Buckland's? Yeah, I think so. Paying her taxes this year is going to be a bitch. Like, later we found out that they killed the real Rex and Hannah and took their places. So, so they should still be people who have files. Yeah. And I just... This this was this was not well thought out. 
Anyway, then Rex astral projects behind her and is like, there's a dangerous and powerful warlock behind you. You need to run. Uh, as she's running, he pops in front of her again astrally and he's like, you hear screaming from the warehouse. There's an innocent danger. Also, make sure you get your fingerprints on the artifact that's right next to the door. He, he actually does that. This isn't us making fun of the show. He says that to her. So, you know, she does. She goes in, gets her fingerprints all over the artifact, and we see that in the warehouse, Hannah has murdered Jaime with the artifact. Yep. Murdered. Murdered him to death. And Prue immediately runs into the room and picks up the murder weapon and then leans over the body and she's like, if only there was some way I could get more evidence onto Jaime's body. And then Phoebe comes running in, and now they're both standing over the dead body. Touching it, which... Well, I mean, that's that's fair, because, you know, they don't know that he's dead, for yeah. sure. Also, Hannah, you clubbed him over the head and killed him with no problem. This is just <laughs> killing the Charmed Ones with more steps. Why did you need... Why are you going to turn into a panther later? You could just wail on them. Uh, also, they're they're going through this big complicated thing to get the Charmed One's powers. There's going to be a magic lantern and shit involved, involved with this later. But it seems like most other demons and warlocks just get the powers when they kill the witches. I don't... No, no, no. That's not true. The one last episode, like, his specialty was stealing powers. But most warlocks and demons we see don't get the powers just by killing them. I mean, Jeremy did. That was his deal. Was that Jeremy's deal? Yeah, remember he stabs the witch with the fire fingers at the beginning, and then later when he's threatening them, he holds out the fire fingers. You're right, he did! I think that's the deal. Yeah, that that's why, uh, that's why warlocks and demons try to kill witches to get their powers. Okay. I mean, that definitely was supposed to be something special that the warlock last episode had. Yeah, I guess maybe they're kind of just forgotten, kept using it over and over again. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the shapeshifters wanted their powers too, but they needed the book for that. Yeah, I, there's a lot more where you need the book to get the powers than you need to kill the girls to get the powers. Most people who want to kill the girls, I feel like, just want to do it to get rid of... The girls. The girls. So, Andy and Daryl are there, and they're like, so, Prue, kind of seems like you killed this guy, and Prue's like, mm. Okay, this is actually my favorite scene in the episode. Okay. Yeah, okay, because Prue and Phoebe are like, they don't even care anymore. Like, Andy and Daryl are trying to interrogate them, and they're like, oh, it must be mind control. It must be a warlock with mind control. They don't even care about being interrogated at this point. Yeah, like, seriously, it's not like they walk to a different part of the room or anything. They are literally having this conversation directly in front of Andy and Daryl. What? And then Prue's like, I already told you I didn't kill him. Move on, okay? And... And she's like, I thought I gave you the tape, but apparently I didn't. I heard a noise, and then Jaime was dead, and he happened to be clutching this tape. And, well then, <laughs> and then Phoebe gets all outraged. Phoebe's like, are you accusing her of murder just because she was standing over the victim clutching the murder weapon? And also he called you and said, I'm being murdered by Prue Hallowell. And also he was holding evidence of her grand theft? <laughs> just... 
<laughs> There's clearly too much evidence. It, it's if you if you have too much evidence, then the odometer rolls over and you're completely innocent. I mean, to be fair, that is the case here. Oh, and then Andy's like, um, you know what? I am going to arrest you, Prue, because I think you murdered this guy. And Phoebe's like, how dare you? God. Oh. So Piper's like, so should we hire a lawyer? And Phoebe's like, no, fuck that. We're going to get Rex's help. Yeah. Piper and Phoebe head over to Rex's apartment. And this is when Phoebe learns that his apartment is empty and that he tricked her with mind control into thinking it was a fully furnished apartment what a weird conclusion to jump to but okay well i mean they they know they've been being mind controlled they know that there are only four people who could have stolen the tiara one of them is dead one of them is prue and one of them is rex so it's not that weird of a of a conclusion to jump to yep empty apartment mind control yeah and Phoebe, to be fair, Phoebe finds her lipstick there. So she's like, ah, ha. Yeah, so she knows she was really there. And she's like, oh, great. I'm banging a warlock. And Piper's like, ha ha, did it first. Yeah. Piper's like, been there, done that. Call me when you're fucking an angel. Oh, God, Coop. Oh, wait, she will, won't she? If, if you count, uh. Yeah, Cupid's definitely an angel. Yeah. So, Prue's in county jail? She's just in, like, lockup. She's just in holding. And it's her and some guy who's making creepy noises at her? He's in a different cell, though. He is in a different cell, but he's, like, sticking his hand through the bars. And he's like, ah, 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 ah. And she just telekinetically throws him into a wall. And then he just, like, huffily sits down on his cot. He's like, okay, fine. Like, I have to imagine there's security cameras in the holding cells. Or something. Like, that seems like it's not the best idea in the world. She telekinetically popped, popped? Is popped the right word? Popped Andy's airbag last week. Set off, perhaps? Set off. There you go. So, I mean... Yeah, I I guess being subtle isn't really part of her witch code. And meanwhile, Andy's like, you know what? I don't think she did it. And Daryl's like, oh my god, what is wrong with you? I like that Daryl's like... Remember when you said she was hiding something? Maybe she was hiding being an international jewel thief. Or, you know, murder. Because we keep on finding her at murder scenes. I love how Andy's like, you think she has a secret life of crime? And Daryl's like, yes! I think she has a obvious life of crime. That's why she's always at crime scenes. And Andy's like, I'm not buying it. And Daryl's I love how Daryl kind of slowly stands up and he's like, then do you want to let her go? And Andy's like, no, I want to keep her in jail as long as possible without any, without having any intention of charging her. Yeah, you can only do that so long. Also, holy crap, Andy. I was just thinking how annoying it must be to be Andy's partner. Yeah, well, Daryl is a saint. <laughs> he really is. Like, we, we were making fun of him for being so tired and not giving a shit all the time, but he has to put up with Andy. Daryl puts up with so much in this series. So. Piper's going to solve the crime herself because apparently it won't be murder if they prove that she didn't have the tiara. Yeah, okay, so 
Piper wants to get rid of the tiara. She wants to put it back or possibly figure out who's framing Prue. The idea is that if they can prove that Prue didn't take the tiara, then there's no motive for murder, and then it becomes harder to prove that she murdered Jaime. Meanwhile, Phoebe, smartly, is like, it feels like this is what they want us to do, and that this is all gonna go towards their plan. Yeah. So, why don't we just break Prue out of jail? And Piper's like, that seems like a bad idea, but... eh." I kind of want to put a pin in, it's okay to break Prue out of jail and everything will be fine. Personal gain. It's not just personal gain. Like, this is a pin I'm going to pull out in, like, ten episodes. Oh, my. I think you know when, right? Actually, I I don't think I do. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about it in, like, ten episodes. Meanwhile, Ghost Rex is sitting on the couch because... So he's sitting on the couch. He's astral projected to the couch so that he can see that Phoebe stashes the tiara in the armoire in the living room. Is he going to call the, is he going to influence the cops again to research the house or? Yeah. So it's pretty great because Phoebe just kind of pushes Piper into the police station. Yeah, I know. I like this because it's like. Piper really doesn't want to do this. And Phoebe's like, okay, well, if I push you in there, you will instinctively freeze everyone. Which is exactly what happens. I do love that the, wherever this holding thing is, there's an exit door that's like right there. It's not unlocked. Like Phoebe was able to just open it. Yeah. So also I love that Phoebe's like such a cool power. Totally hate you. Yeah. Yeah. But Piper does freeze everyone. She takes the keys from the guard. She unlocks the door to get Prue out. By the way, Prue has Prue's wearing this weird see-through sweater. Don't talk about the sweater. Are, are, were you saving that for something? I was saving it for my what is the most 90s thing about this episode. We'll, we'll get to it then. <laughs> so... Piper jacks one of the guard's keys, frees Prue. Prue does the thing where she puts all of the pillows underneath the blanket and covers it up. And Piper's like, really? And Prue's like, do you have a better idea? And Piper's like, She also tells Prue that they think that Rex is a warlock who's trying to steal their powers. So yeah, I guess you're right. I guess warlocks try to steal powers. Okay. And then there's this weird bit where... Prue starts touching one of the guards, and Piper's like, don't touch him, just go. I think she was trying to put the keys back, like, exactly where they were. Oh, okay. That did not read at all to me, but... I I think that's what's happening. So, the girls are all now outside the police station, and Rex is there, and he takes a photograph of them, and it's like, now I will blackmail you because I have a picture of you breaking out of prison. Dear Lord. So, the only chance they have to not all go to prison forever is to use a spell in the book to put their powers in a special magic lantern and then give them to Rex. Okay, Rex tells them that Hannah went to their house and got the tiara, so now they're all going to go to jail forever unless they give them their powers yes unless they give them their powers which okay if hannah just stole 
the tiara back, then it's evidence of nothing except that Hannah has the tiara. <laughs> this is the stupidest plan. You know, I was okay with this episode before we started talking about it. When we were just watching it, I was fine. But... Nope, now they got it. This, this, pa- this is an episode that doesn't stand up to scrutiny. At all. It's okay when you're just moving from thing to thing to thing. It kind of reminds me of the structural problems in the wedding episode, where if you're just watching it and not thinking about it, it all flows pretty well. But under even minimal thought, you're just like, wait, none of this lines up at all. See, I, I, just, I just want to address that statement, because I don't feel like we're unnecessarily like poking plot holes into this episode. I felt like as I was watching the episode, I I was not hating it, but I was irritated by it. And watching this and, like, seeing how they just, things happen with no or, with no explanation or with explanations that make no sense. I think that I wasn't really analyzing what was happening at the time, but I was irritated that things weren't earned. Stuff is happening because that's what has to happen next. And... Nobody thought that they needed to put the time in to make the plot make sense. Yeah, this really feels like a first draft. It actually reminds me a lot of the best advice I've ever gotten for running a role-playing game. Mm -hmm. Which is that when you're running a role-playing game, the most important thing is to know what your villain is doing. So that if you know what your villain is doing at all times, no matter what the players throw at you, it's okay because you know what the villain is doing and how they will react. I feel like in this episode, if a character was off screen, the writers had no idea what they were doing. Right? Like, what? just to pick like a weird example, what was Leo doing upstairs after they had sex, right? And yeah. all the girls were leaving for the day. If a character's off screen... The writers had no idea what they were doing. So, back at the manor, the sisters are discussing whether or not to give up their powers to Rex and Hannah to stop from going to jail. And Prue points out that because he's spying on them with astral projection, he's probably astral projected into the room right then. That's a very good point. He's probably there right now. So... Phoebe is very adamantly against giving up their powers. I mean, she should be on Vanquish Train. Well, I mean, she's always been the one who wanted the powers the most. I do like, though, that she's saying, if we give up the powers, how will we be able to protect innocent people? Mm. Well, what they're doing here is, Phoebe is very gung-ho, we need to keep the powers, we need to help people, blah, blah, blah. Prue is all, no, we need to give up our powers, we need to save ourselves. And, you know, Piper is the middle child. She's stuck in the middle. She's like, well, we do need to keep ourselves safe. And we also need to protect people. But we can't protect people if we're not safe. Piper says that they need to maybe give up their powers and just hope it works out. Like, they need to give up their powers and just have faith that something out there will know that they are the protagonists and get them their powers back. And as she says this, we see Leo eavesdropping on this conversation. I wonder if that's significant to the thing that Piper just said. Yeah, right? So we get some cool old-timey hand-holding. I like that they're making the shape of the triquatra over the table with their hands. Yeah, they're not holding their hands in a circle. They're holding it in a tri- Yeah, 
I I did not pick up on that, but you're right. That's really cool. So they're doing the magic spell to undo their powers, to whoop them back into the lamp. I love how honked off Phoebe looks in this scene. I know. Phoebe does not want to be giving up her powers right now. So we see not just their powers leave their bodies as the little balls of light and go into the lantern, but all of the words fly off of the Book of Shadows. I mean, couldn't their kids still theoretically be witches? There's no need to get rid of, like... I think when their kids become empowered... The Book of Shadows will, like, reappear. Ah, uh, okay. Because otherwise, it seems like you're kind of dicking over future generations for no good reason. Well, I mean, that's what I assumed, was that the Book of Shadows would reappear when their kids became empowered. But I don't know. Maybe they are giving up not just their power, but the power that all of their descendants will have. Hmm. So, back at Rex's office, Rex is like, Hey, Hannah, can you pose very awkward sexy so that the morph effect when you turn into a panther is less awkward? And she's like, I'll do my best, but it's going to look pretty awkward no matter what. Yeah, so apparently Hannah could always turn into a panther. Good for her. I mean, like the astral projection, we can be generous and assume that this power was given to them by hell when they proved that the Hallowells were the charmed ones. But yeah, no, Hannah's just a panther now. It's just the way, Hannah's just a panther now. So, you think it would be, it's kind of weird that Rex gave Phoebe sort of a heads up on the whole panther thing. With his yeah, fake premonition. I was thinking about that when we saw the premonition. Yeah. Now Phoebe has all uh, all this extra time to buy a bunch of water bottles and fill them up. Yes. Oh. It's true. Panthers are just giant cats. Yeah. 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 At the police station, Andy is actually searching for Rex and Hannah in the Pol- police database for the first time. Yes, he's using police Google. So Rex and Hannah are real people. Uh, but they're older, and one of them's black, and they're both dead. Yep, they were both murdered on the same day. And Andy's like, aha! Yeah. Aha what? Aha! Rex and Hannah are some sort of, like, really complicated Bonnie and Clyde jewel thieves who murdered the actual owners of Buckland's auction house as part of a long con. And then took their place, but also took them out of the employee registry well he doesn't know that yeah he doesn't know that but why would they take their names Uh, did did they work for buckland is it just some weird coincidence they killed some guy named buckland and they were like hey look that's also the name of the auction house let's pretend to be in charge of it and no one will ask questions or if these people were actual employees of the auction house surely no one will notice when we're suddenly two different people whose names aren't in the personnel records. So, oh my God, what is going on here? I assumed they fired everyone. <laughs> they just, they, they pulled a, uh, what's your, they pulled a Chloe from Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Yeah, they, they just, just showed up, drew a penis on the whiteboard, fired the first person they saw, and no one questioned them. All right, then. <laughs> so, as they're, wa- as the Charmed Ones are walking into Rex's apartment with uh i know if they're bucklands Mm -hmm. so as the charmed ones are walking into the auction house with their powers in a lantern to hand to rex phoebe's like what if we just like smash the lantern and then we get our powers back and they're like no 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 we can't do that and then rex does rex says something which will be repeated multiple times throughout the show it's like it's so easy it's almost anticlimactic 
keep that in mind it gets used like by five other villains it really does (sighs) so he takes the lantern and walks away and then hannah as a panther comes out presumably to kill them i mean you at least could have killed phoebe with that then you wouldn't have to worry about the charmed ones anymore with their powers oh yeah that's true (laughs) just do your fun trick where you're like hey phoebe it's me prue why don't you come to the warehouse there's definitely not a panther there oh oh goodness so back at the manor we see that leo has gone up to the attic and he sees the empty book of shadows and then he like waves his hands over it and his hands get all filled with light and the words begin to appear again Mm. Leo can do a lot of cool stuff in this episode that we are never going to see ever again. Well, just like we assume that Hannah and Rex got their powers from hell at some point off screen, I assume that the elders gave Leo the power to fix things for the Charmed Ones this episode. They gave him a bunch of one-shot superpowers? Yes. Because I don't think we ever see him use telekinesis again, although he does have a levitation trick that gets pulled out like twice. Yeah, and we uh, definitely don't see him magically restoring the Book of Shadows again. I don't think. I I wouldn't swear to it. Yeah, actually we might. Yeah, okay, well let's keep that in mind too. But that's pretty big magic. Yeah. So as he magically restores the Book of Shadows, we see that the magic leaves the lantern and re-enters the girls, so that when Hannah the Panther attacks them, Piper is able to freeze her. And again, there's a good bit of kind of consistency here where prue is pushing piper and phoebe behind her when hannah starts attacking just like in the pilot just like in the pilot but as soon as piper freezes time instinctually because leo heals the book and thus gave them their powers back they all just take a couple of steps back and then prue telekinetically moves rex in front of the leaping panther yeah so that when time unfreezes hannah the panther lands on rex instead of the girls and somehow that kills him well she mauls him a little bit like i feel like she would just stop but she mauls him a little bit and then she's like oh And then some CGI flames come up from the floor, and Hannah's like, no, Rex is the one who fucked up, not me. And you know what? Fair. Yeah, like, she turns from a panther back into Hannah, and she's like, oh, this is not gonna look good on my, uh, this isn't gonna look good on my, uh, what's it called? Employee review? Oh, oh, I I thought you were gonna say on my demonic CV. Um, Yes, this isn't gonna look good on my... Demonic CV. I was, I was going to say, her next performance review is not going to be great. Yeah. Maybe this is her next performance review, because the fires of hell spring forth from the ground and consume her and Rex's corpse. Yep. And Piper's like... Piper says, what the hell? And Phoebe says, I think you answered your question. She didn't. No, hell. Yeah, no, I, I know hell, but... You know, you could still use Hannah. She can still turn into a panther. Oh, no, yeah, right? No, I, I think it's such bullshit that Hannah has to take the blame for Rex's mistakes. Don't, don't get me started on that. Not okay. This also kind of starts a trend that follows through, through a lot of Charmed, where hell evil seems to do a better job of fighting itself. Yeah. Because there's a lot of episodes where multiple demons are killed by other demons for no reason. Like... 
you realize you'd probably be more successful if you stopped killing your own dudes all the time, right? I mean, imagine how powerful Hannah would be. Imagine how effective she would be at taking down the Charmed Ones if you took the amount of hate she already has for Prue and added into it avenging her dead lover. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, like, I mean... She's kind of stupid, but she's still better at this than Rex, right? She's the only one who actually killed a guy. That's true. Yeah, her body count's way higher than Rex's. Also, 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 why was dating Phoebe part of his plan? That makes no sense. It it came to naught. It was it was really just about banging a Hallowell. Okay, so back at the police station. Andy and Daryl are rushing in to check on Prue because now that it turned out that two people she worked with were actually criminals who committed identity fraud, it means she didn't kill that guy. I mean, it does strongly suggest it. Yeah, I I guess, but, you know. So they see the pile of blankets on the bed, and for a second, we, the audience, think, oh no, Prue's busted. But no, it is Prue under the blanket. Wah, wah. Although, theoretically... You know, Piper could have frozen them at any time and just, we didn't see it. That's true. That's true. They tell her that she is off the hook because it turns out that Rex and Hannah were identity thieves. And that they had on the record stolen a bunch of money from the auction house? I guess they were embezzling. I guess in between leaving the police station and getting to the jail... They managed to talk to a forensic accountant who let them know that Hannah and Rex were extorting a bunch of money. And then Andy shows Prue the picture that Rex took of the three sisters outside the police station. And he's like, also, we found this. And Prue's like, huh, it's a cute picture of me, isn't it? And they're like, I guess you're free to go. Well, I think the point here is that Andy knows that something more is up, but he's giving it to Prue anyway so that she doesn't get in trouble. Honestly, I feel like the whole Rex and Hannah thing makes Prue look more guilty because they mysteriously disappeared right after implicating her for murder. I was going to point out that the picture shows nothing because we see the picture and it's a Polaroid and it's so dark all you really see are the three sisters. It could be literally anything. Yeah, that's that's a solid point. Also, it's a Polaroid. It's not a camera phone picture with metadata. It could have been taken at any time. Well, Prue is wearing that sweater in it. And everyone knows that women never wear the same outfit twice. Well, I mean, she bought all of those clothes at the beginning of the episode. I don't think the sweater was one of the ones she bought. We didn't see it in the montage that went on for ten minutes. Mm. So... Back in the attic, the girls are all looking at the Book of Shadows, seeing that it's been restored, and not knowing how it happened. I really do like Phoebe's pitch, which was, hey, maybe we just fucked up the spell. And Piper's like, no, I think maybe it was just magic. And Prue's like, that's that's really what we're going with? And Piper's like, magic. And then Leo comes into the room and he's like, hey, I, uh, I'm going to miss you when I have to go to that place that I have to go to, but... I'm sure you'll be seeing me around, wink, wink. He also says he left his toolbox behind, but it must have been pretty Freudian because he really wanted to keep his tools here. Ugh. Yeah. And 
Piper's like, do you have to go? And he's like, I fixed everything that's broken around here. And then he kind of touches her, and then he kisses her. And uh, his... It occurs to me, was the intention that we wouldn't see Leo again? Huh. I mean, honestly, God, I would have respected the hell out of the show if Leo just disappeared and then never came back. Like, was that supposed to be what it was? Like, Leo just came to fix that one thing and then he left? I I don't think so. I think they always knew that Leo would be back. Mm, Okay. But... I guess he is front credited, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, he is. Ah. So... Wow, way to weirdly keep changing the credits oh, wait. around. Oh, wait, no, he's, you're right, you're right, he's not. Yeah, okay, so I'm sticking with, I think that they did not know they were going to bring Leo back. Mm. So, the girls pull the relinquishing your power spell out of the Book of Shadows and burn it, because they are never going to relinquish their powers again. Okay. And then we see Leo downstairs, except that as he walks out, he turns into a ball of light and floats out. Yes, he telekinetically opens the door so he can float out it as a ball of light, which, that's just so extra, Leo. That's unnecessary. Okay, no, here's the thing. The door telekinetically opening and closing is a thing that this show does at significant moments. It happens at the end of the first episode. It happens at the end of the last episode. I mean, it it happens in basically every season finale after this point. Yeah, so this is really adding to my, this was meant to be the last time we see Leo. Oh, I, I was just thinking it was a mid-season finale thing. Now, I'm sticking with we weren't supposed to see Leo again. He was done. It'd be kind of a weird thing to do. Although, God knows, there'd be so many articles written about it these days. You know, the mis- Oh, like the conspiracy theories about who and what Leo was? Yeah. Yeah. But I liked this episode when we first watched it. Upon reflection, not so much. Okay, I didn't hate this episode, even though it might sound like I hated this episode. I just feel like it was a couple drafts away from being finished. Yeah, and they should have built up more with Rex and Hannah, and also probably one of them should have lived. I mean, I I kept on talking about how this felt like a mid-season finale, but we also did mention that it felt like it borrowed a lot from the Angel episode of season one of Buffy, and this is sort of the part where Darla goes down. You know what it actually really feels like to me? It feels like, and I know this isn't the case, but it feels like they didn't know if the show was going to get renewed and they rushed to finish everything really quickly. Hmm. That's the thing. It feels so rushed. All of a sudden, this episode, we learn that Leo is something significant and then he leaves at the end of the episode. Hannah and Rex get these powers they haven't had before and then they're just easily dispatched with at the end of the episode. The girls don't even do anything to affect the end it's all done by leo it's a real brad kern episode is what i'm saying Mm. yes now i think it's time for us to exercise our own power of three okay as we dig into our power pack and see what we can come up with it might be kind of lean pickings this week yeah i don't have any premonitions this week yeah these are all actors we've seen before no one except for jaime except for jaime Jaime is the only new actor, and Tina looked him up on IMDb, and you might recognize his voice from being in a lot of things. He's credited as additional voice in a lot of animated things. He was in Into the Spider-Verse, which is a very good movie. He was in Despicable Me. In both of those, he's just credited as additional voice. Hmm. Also, Bachelor Party 2, where he is credited as voice actor. Hmm. 
Yeah, so this guy's worked a lot, but I don't think you'd recognize him particularly. No, definitely not. Oh, he was also in The Nanny as Male Hostage. Al Rodrigo is his name. Mm. So you you might recognize his voice from some stuff, but probably not. No, probably not. All right, so, wow, short premonition this week. Short and incorrect premonition, just oh, like in the just episode. Like... Yep. There you go. Okay, so our second power is time freeze. What specifically dates this episode? Well, I, I previewed this time freeze. Mm-hmm. The outfit that Prue is wearing when she gets sent to jail is a champagne-colored sweater with, like, a really open weave so that you can see her black bra underneath it. And a hood. Very 1990s. My thing was a date book. Oh, yeah. Because date book. Yeah. All right. And that'll bring us to the last power, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode? Okay. So for me, even though I was complaining that the charmed ones don't actually affect the plot, uh, the part where Piper says that she hopes that she's just going to have faith that it's going to work out. And we see Leo listening in at that moment. It's, uh... Honestly, Piper's sort of faith in their powers is a really interesting thing for this episode, which I wish was more of her character later. Yeah. Honestly, she gets real sick of magic real fast. And it sort of makes sense that she's, uh, that this isn't followed up on because her thing has always been kind of being distrustful of her powers. It's... I suppose it makes sense in the episode where she finds out she can use her powers for sex. That that, that would be the episode where she most is into her powers. Mm. Uh. But no, I really like the bit where Phoebe and Piper are talking about why they should keep their powers. I think that is a strong moment. And also, I just genuinely really like the interplay between the two of them, especially when Phoebe's on the phone with Rex. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of natural familial chemistry. I feel like I've used that before as my uh, as my telekinesis, and it still applies here. No, it's it's that's still nice. Plus, good stage business, which this show, which this episode did not have a lot of. Which is a shame because actually the show's actually generally pretty good with it. Yeah, usually it's got pretty strong stage business. So the next episode that we're going to talk about is episode eleven, Feats of Clay, and the description is. Phoebe's old flame Clay comes to town after he and his partners steal a valuable urn that is guarded by a demon. So, so, would you say that his reputation is unearned? So we hope you'll all join us next time. <laughs> Welcome to Hallowell Manor is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Halloween Manor. Manor.